Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guest today is Mariah Mason, and she is Development Manager at the Utah Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, and the website is alz.org, and then if you just add a slash Utah to that, it'll take you right to the local page. Hello, thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Mike. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been with the Alzheimer's Association, you said, for about four years. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about you. What did you do before that, and what brought you to ALZ? Sure. So I have worked in events um, for the past seven years, and I used to do events in Hollywood for music and video game and TV executives, which was very different. And after a while, I decided, you know, I wanted to stick with events, but do something that mattered and had more importance. So, um, yeah, I looked into the Alzheimer's Association and um, I have dementia in my family and my husband's family. So I thought it was a great cause to support. And speaking of events, you have a couple coming up, uh, the Walk to End Alzheimer's. There's one in Provo, September 17th, and then in Sandy, uh, September 24th. We'll talk more about those coming up. But let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, Maybe just for those that don't know exactly, what is exactly Alzheimer's disease? Sure. That's such a great question. And a question we get asked a lot is, you know, what is dementia and what is Alzheimer's disease? And so um, a great way to think about what dementia and Alzheimer's is is dementia is what we call an umbrella term. So it's very similar to saying someone has cancer, but there's many different types mm-hmm. of cancer, right? And so that doesn't really tell you that much. So when we say someone has dementia, usually that means they haven't been diagnosed with a specific type of dementia. So there are dozens of types, and Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. That's about 80% of cases is Alzheimer's. And so that's the best way to think about it. But other forms of dementia um, include traumatic brain injury, Huntington's disease, Parkinson's disease, there's all sorts of different types. And so at the Alzheimer's Association, we actually recently changed our mess or our um, what would our mission statement in the past couple of years to include um, we're you know we're trying to find a cause and um, do research, raise money for research for not just Alzheimer's but all types of dementia as well. And when was the Alzheimer's Association founded and who did that and why? Yeah, that's a great question, and I should know the answer. (laughs) I know it was in the 80s, so it's been a long time um, since it was founded, um, and it was founded by a family that was suffering from Alzheimer's. Um, What we didn't know for a long time is that Alzheimer's is actually a cause of death and that it's not a normal part of aging. And so the family that founded the Alzheimer's Association, they wanted to raise awareness for that because they realized, you know, this isn't a normal disease and let's get some attention on it because not most people just think, oh, that's just an old person's disease. Everyone ends up right. with it at some point. And, and the whole idea of Alzheimer's disease is fairly recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, we just thought, well, that's just part of getting old. Is that, right, yeah. exactly. Which, I mean, that's still the attitude in a lot of cases. And so people don't always take it as seriously as maybe they should. So we know about the walks that the Alzheimer's Association does, but mm-hmm. you also are involved in a lot of research yeah, and uh, also lobbying different people to do mm-hmm. different things. Tell us a little bit about what the association does. Sure. So what's really exciting about working for the Alzheimer's Association is outside of the country of China, we are the largest funder of Alzheimer's research in the world, which is pretty exciting. And so um, 
you know, all the money that we raise, obviously some goes towards running the organization, but that's such a small part. Most of our money goes to care and support services, which I can talk more about that. That's, you know, local services for families and caregivers and then also research as well. So 10% of all of the money that we earn at the walks goes back into Alzheimer's research. And I mean, what's exciting about working for the Utah chapter of the Alzheimer's Association is that a lot of great dementia research happens here in Utah. We've had some really groundbreaking studies at the University of Utah. And also right now, um, Utah State University is building an Alzheimer's research center Mm. that we will have here in Utah, which is really exciting. Is there anything recent, you know, in the last couple of years that they've they've found that's encouraging? Or I I know that there's not really any sort of medications that are specifically for Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. There's just medications that treat the symptoms. Is that right? right? Yeah, that is right. I think what is exciting to know is that um, Alzheimer's can be determined by genetics, but not necessarily. So just because you have Alzheimer's in your family doesn't mean you'll end up Mm -hmm. with it. Lifestyle factors are just as important. So a lot of the same things that you'll hear for cancer or for heart disease, those can also reduce your risk for dementia later on in life, such as moderate exercise. We're talking even just stretching three times a week can Mm. reduce your risk for cognitive decline later on in life. Sleeping seven to nine hours a night is really important for your brain health. Taking care of your mental health, whether that's through medication, through therapy is really important. Staying social um, is more important than we've realized. That can Mm. really um, help your cognitive health later on in life. And trying to eat a diet that's low in processed foods and sugar. So a lot of the same things we hear right. for other diseases actually help your brain health, which I think is really encouraging. And you sort of compared it to cancer. I mean, if you have a history of cancer in your family, you have maybe a better chance of getting cancer, but it mm. doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. Similar kind of thing. Yeah. So it, it's not a guarantee. Um, you definitely should have hope because there are lifestyle changes that you can make that can really help your brain health. What are some of those early warning signs that we watch for both in our ourselves and then our family and friends. Sure. So of course, everyone, when they think Alzheimer's, they think memory loss, which is important, but there are actually 10 different warning signs of Alzheimer's. And so there are a lot of things to be aware of. Um, One thing I talked about staying social. Um, Sometimes you might see your loved ones start to kind of become antisocial. And part of that is they might be seeing the symptoms in themselves and be kind of embarrassed. Um, But kind of isolating yourselves, that could be one of the signs. Um, Personality changes. You might see someone who normally is a very easygoing person become very anxious. Mm. Um, You might also see that they're struggling with, they're confused with time and place, um, which can be different than memory loss. They might have trouble balancing um, because Alzheimer's can affect all sorts of different parts of your body um, and and your brain. And so I'm watching for that. Um, Trouble with gauging distance. So noticing, you know, how far a car is away from you, things like that, that are just Mm. abnormal that you might think, oh, that's no big deal, could be something larger. And memory loss might not come into play until later. Okay. And all of those things, each on their own, kind of are things that typically happen to us as we age anyway. So it's not one thing. It's sort of a combination of things. It is. Yeah. And so, you know, what we really recommend is Alzheimer's, Um, I don't know if this is a scary thing or not to know, but Alzheimer's can show in the brain 30 years before someone is even diagnosed. And so what we recommend is, you know, starting at 
age 65, um, getting regular cognitive screenings done with your doctor. It's free as part of your wellness check. And we recommend, you know, just be safe. It doesn't matter if you don't have it in your family or if you're seeing the signs. Catching it early will set you up for success and your family if if you do end up with Alzheimer's disease. Just like any other disease, if you catch it earlier, you have a better shot at at beating it. Uh, Well, not that you can beat it, unfortunately, because if you have Alzheimer's at this point, there is no cure. Right. But, you know, once someone slips into rapid memory Mm -hmm. decline, it's much harder to take control of their finances for them to have a say in their end of life planning, things like that. And so it's better to catch it early just so you can make those long-term plans with your family. So I was on the website and I saw something called mild cognitive impairment. What's the difference between that and Alzheimer's? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Mild cognitive impairment would be, you know, that that, um, memory loss that you would see later on in someone's life that's more normal. Um, But maybe you're not seeing the other warning signs of Alzheimer's yet, but you are seeing, you know, just some of some of those in the maybe the early stages, they're kind of few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some of those just abnormal behaviors, um, but they aren't quite to the point where they could be classified as dementia. So if you start to have some of those kinds of symptoms, it's a good idea to talk to your doctor and say, hey, I don't think I've got Alzheimer's disease, but I, I've got these these little things I'm noticing. Definitely. And, you know, there can be a lot of shame in having Alzheimer's disease, and we really try and reduce the stigma as much as we can. It's not something that you did wrong. It's not like you weren't exercising enough or or whatnot. You know, we try and take the shame out of it. And because a lot of people suffer with Alzheimer's in silence and um, they and their caregivers can become so isolated, we just really want to help people realize that they're not alone and that it's not their fault that they're suffering. So you've mentioned there is no cure, but Mm -hmm. what kind of treatments are there once you have Alzheimer's disease? Sure. So, yes, there is no cure. I think um, it's it's interesting to note that in the United States, Alzheimer's is the sixth leading cause of death. But here in Utah, it's actually the fourth leading cause of death. So we have much higher rates because we have a rapidly aging population. Mm. People tend to live longer in Utah. And so you're right. There is no cure treatment at this point. But there can be things that can um, you can take medications to make your life more comfortable. A lot of people with Alzheimer's will um, become maybe more paranoid or more anxious, as I mentioned. So you can take medications to help that, help with your mental health, make it not so stressful. Um, sleep can be difficult for people with Alzheimer's, and so taking sleeping medications. So it is more to treat those symptoms and just make you more comfortable. Um, but yeah, at this point, there's nothing you can do to cure it. My guest today is Mariah Mason, and she is development manager at the Utah chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. And the website is alz.org. And then if you just add a slash Utah to that, it'll take you right to the local page. Now, I know a couple of years ago, there was a medication that came out that was kind of promising and people got Mm -hmm. kind of excited about it. And since then, it's kind of turned out to be not. And I can't say the name of it. It's one of those very long. It's very tough to say. (laughs) I, I won't even attempt it. But where are we with that medication? Have we kind of moved on from that? So where we're at now is the Alzheimer's Association stands by that medication and supports it. Oh, okay. Um, and it is FDA approved, but the the difficulty with that medication is that it's, it's extremely expensive. Okay. It's not affordable for the average person because it could cost them, you know, up to $30,000 a year wow. for that medication. And so what we're trying to do with the Alzheimer's Association is, is lobby to get that medication to become more affordable because most families, you know, they, they can't afford that. And so, and it's a real shame. Right, right. I was reading about it and it sounds like it does do some good, but it's not 
like night and day kind of difference. Right. And so for something that only helps a little, for it to be that expensive is, is really unfortunate. It really is. So yeah, that, that medication isn't a cure, but what it does is it slows down okay. your cognitive decline. So you could have more years with your loved ones, which a lot of families would really value that. And you sort of mentioned early on, uh, there's about 11 million Americans that provide unpaid care for people with Alzheimer's or other types of dementia. And I know a lot of what you do is to support those people. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, it's it's so important to recognize the caregivers because a lot of times it can take a whole team of people to care for someone with Alzheimer's disease because it can be around the clock care. And so um, it's it's important to recognize all of that, that unpaid care that they get. And what we do on a local level um, with the rest of our, our fundraising money that isn't going to research is provide care and support services. And what those look like is we have support groups for caregivers and for people in the early stages of Alzheimer's all throughout the state, virtual and in person that we offer. We also do a lot of free dementia education. So learning about the warning signs, how to reduce your risk, but then also for caregivers, how do you communicate with your loved one who has Alzheimer's when they're acting completely different than they used to? And so we do all of those presentations all and our support groups, all of that is completely free. And we also have a 24-7 helpline that runs 365 days a year. It's run all by master's level clinicians who know the disease inside and out. So you can call with any question about Alzheimer's or dementia any time of day, which is really wonderful. And then we also, on a local level, do what are called care consultations. So when someone in your family is diagnosed, we can bring your family all together and kind of facilitate the conversation of, um, you know, that end of life planning that I mentioned and and what to expect as the disease progresses and help prepare a family um, once they receive that diagnosis because they probably don't know what to do. Right. And I I see that uh, my my parents are moving into their 80s now and you can see sort of the natural decline. Mm -hmm. And these are people that have, you know, been amazing my whole life and now the tables are going to turn. And I can't imagine how hard that would be because most people that are caring for someone with Alzheimer's, most likely that's a family member. Definitely. And yeah, you're right. As as someone gets older, it is very normal to experience the memory loss. Mm-hmm. So if you're forgetting someone's name, if you're occasionally forgetting the of the week, that's normal. But we're talking about when you forget how to drive home from the store in your neighborhood that you've gone to for 50 right. years, you know, more on the extreme yeah. end there. Um, that's when you should be concerned. And on the website, I saw it says one in three seniors will actually die of Alzheimer's or dementia. What does that mean exactly? Because they're not dying of the disease necessarily. They're they're dying because of one of the symptoms. Is that right? So we we do consider it dying from the disease itself because – Unfortunately, so what Alzheimer's looks like in the brain is you have plaque um, taking over your brain and your neurons become tangled. And slowly that takes over your entire brain, shutting down your bodily functions one at a time. So it means eventually people will struggle to swallow, to Mm. breathe, to sleep, all of those functions that keep us alive. So the disease itself does kill you and it's very sad. Yeah, That makes sense. I didn't completely understand that because... You know, when someone dies of a heart attack or of cancer, it's very clear what caused that. Mm -hmm. But with Alzheimer's, it could be several different things. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times people with Alzheimer's will die. um, They could die because of other causes. They might have some other disease at the same time. It can it can be tough to say, you know, specifically it was Alzheimer's. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of effects did the pandemic have on Alzheimer's? 
Yeah, well, um, because I, I mentioned that social activity is so important to our brain health. When a lot of people were isolated, we saw a lot more cognitive decline um, in older generations. So um, in general, the traje- trajectory of Alzheimer's disease is skyrocketing. Um, and that was before the pandemic. But that certainly didn't help, especially in terms of that isolation. You've actually changed some of my preconceived ideas about Alzheimer's, but what other things do you think are the biggest myths out there that you wish people knew? Sure. Well, I just think the biggest thing is, you know, understanding the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's is is an important thing. Realizing that it is a cause of death and remembering, um, I, I guess, to keep the caregivers in your life in mind because they are probably lonely, isolated, just like their loved ones. And anything you can do to let them know that you're thinking about them or even volunteering to sit with their loved one for a couple hours so they can have some free time to do something is so helpful. And um, for anyone, any families out there, you know, who are living with dementia in their lives, we just want you to know that you're not alone. It Mm. probably feels like it because um, you probably have a hard time going places with your loved one, but just know there are a lot of people in Utah and in the same condition as you. Now, of course, like any nonprofit, uh, giving money is the absolute best way to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what other ways? I noticed on your website there's lots of different ways to donate that maybe people hadn't thought of. Sure. There's so many ways to get involved with us. Um, so we have the Walk to End Alzheimer's. There's seven across the state. That's a great way to participate. Even if you don't fundraise, we love to have you join us and just show you know these families and people living with Alzheimer's that they aren't alone. But outside of that, we're always looking for volunteers to run our support groups, to do education, because we can only reach so many people. So, you know, we love to have volunteers. And then we also have a great program called Trial Match. If you have ever had Alzheimer's or dementia in your family, you can become part of our database. And if there is ever an Alzheimer's study done in your area, we can use you as a research participant. So now we move into your specific area of expertise. (laughs) Thank you for filling us in on, on Alzheimer's and what it is. And You've educated me for sure. We have a couple of walks to end Alzheimer's coming up. The first one, September 17th in Provo at the Shops of Riverwoods, and then September 24th in Sandy at Rio Tinto Stadium. How do people get signed up to join the event? Yeah, so my my best recommendation is to go to alz.org slash walk. You can put in your zip code and find the walk nearest you. It's um, easy to register, and I should mention it's free to register and come to the walk. Fundraising is optional, but we'd love to have your support, and it's a family-friendly event. And it's also wheelchair accessible if you're bringing someone in your family with dementia. Um, It's really for everyone. And unlike pre-COVID, you can't just show up and walk. If you're walking and not fundraising, you still do need to register. Is that right? We can register you on site. Okay. Um, so that's definitely an option. And you know, it's probably easier for you if you do it ahead of time so you don't have to do that at the walk. But we are prepared to register and get anyone who wants to come to join us. And I love the Promise Garden flowers. Tell yeah. us about those. So you pick a certain flower based on... Mm-hmm. So everyone who comes to the walk gets a flower pinwheel and they have different colors that represent different things. Like I lost a, a loved one to Alzheimer's. I'm living with dementia. I'm a caregiver, things like that. And you walk with your flower and it's really inspiring to see, you know, just what everyone around you is, is dealing with in terms of dementia and Alzheimer's. And um, it, yeah, it's a very uplifting event. And I would imagine for those people that, you know, if you're a caregiver, you look around and you see people with the same color flower and you yeah. just like, these people People are going through exactly what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what makes the walk so special and uplifting is it for the people there. They're, they just realize that they're not alone in what they're going through. And, and so it's really special in that way. 
Well, you've got one of the great websites because alz.org is super easy to remember. And then if you just add slash walk or slash Utah to that, it'll take you to the local stuff. Um, What else on the website will people find? What kind of uh, resources are there? Yeah, so I recommend, if you're curious about anything in terms of dementia, our website is a one-stop shop. You can find the answer to any question you want. It's amazing. Um, Also, I mean, if you are someone who is interested in research and wants to know the latest findings and what's going on there, we have an app. It's called the ALZ Science Hub. It's great. It tells you all of the latest research going on. And if you are not a science-minded person, um, which is myself, they break it down really and really easy to understand um, talking points. And so that's, yeah, that's what I recommend. If you want to call our helpline, go to ALZ.org. It is, it is everywhere. And the helpline, by the way, is 1-800-272-3900, 272-3900. Um, anything else you want to tell us about Alzheimer's Association and Utah specifically? Not that I can think of, but we just, we'd love to have people support us at the walk. And, and if not, if you're interested in volunteering, if you want to attend one of our support groups, please reach out to our local office. We'd love to connect with you and, and help you in any way that we can. Mariah Mason, who is Development Manager for the Utah Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. Again, alz.org slash walk if you're interested in one of the walks or slash Utah if you want to go to the local page. Thank you so much for what you're doing in the community. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com. 